It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, I'm Ron Johnson, and this is the Ron Johnson Show. And on today's show, we're going to talk about the Vikings. It was actually live football, finally. And this whole question of who the quarterback is, we know it's Kirk Cousins. But there's a conundrum, I guess you would say, behind him at QB2. What did we see during the game? And what do we think is next for the Vikings quarterback room? On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. One-of-a-kind opinions, big-name guests, the teams you care about every day, every, every day. It's the Ron Johnson Show, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. As I said, I'm your host, Ron Johnson. On today's show, we got our producer joining me, Sam Ekstrom. And, I mean, Sam, I'm excited. There's football. Football is back. I mean, it's been back for some teams, but the Minnesota Vikings are finally back to playing football. And during the game, right after the game, uh, there's a lot of, like, gut reactions, and you get really passionate about what you saw, and then you sleep on it. And then you wake up the next day, and you're like, you know what? I might have overreacted a little bit, just a little bit. Or before the game, before the season, you know, might have overreacted a little bit. And Sam, before we jump into my overreaction, because I want to get what yours was. I know everybody kind of watches mm-hmm. the game and has one. We have a word from our sponsors. We'll start off the week telling you about betonline.net, the fastest and easiest way to check on all your betting needs. The Raiders covered the spread yesterday in the first uh, Viking spread of the season. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They've got you covered. Head there today on your computer or mobile device to learn more about the action happening. BetOnline, where the game starts. So, Sam, Sam, as we jump into this, I am going to – here's where I overreacted. I was very adamant, and after Kevin Seifert kind of told us that the quarterback, two was not on this roster, I was really out there peddling that. Like, I was on the streets trying to sell that to the world, that QB2 is not on this roster. I mean, Mason Rudolph of the Pittsburgh Steelers, he has a loaded room, even though George Pickens, by the way, looks really good. The Steelers continue to draft like some of the best receivers in late rounds. I don't know how they're doing it, but they're, yeah. they're scouting department. Somebody needs to become a GM pretty soon because they are doing a great job, at least of that. But when you, you look at that, you look at, you know, Jimmy G trying to find a home, you know, are the, are the 49ers going to want to back up a Mason Rudolph? Well, after watching the Vikings, I have to say I'm not completely sold that QB2 is not on this roster. And this is why. Kellen Mond started out the night – and it was questionable at best. And so, you know, Sean Mannion starts it off. Kellerman comes in. And you're like, I don't see it. Like, maybe everybody's right. There is no QB2 on this roster. But then, lightning in a bottle. Nine for 14, 119 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, 130 pass rating. But if you look at the, the play, he's scrambling around. Uh, and then he doesn't make the throw, but there was a lot going on. Receiver steps out of bounds. Maybe Kellerman saw that. Somebody's like, well, why would he throw it out of bounds across his body? True. Most likely you're going to throw it to your right and just aim for the stands. Uh, so it probably was a miss. 
But again, that's trying to like he was trying to go to the back end guy, which there was another guy to the right of him wide open as well. So that's just more reps. That's a guy that has not had a ton of live reps. And so after seeing Kellen Mond in limited time, because in my tweet, um, for those who want to go as three Ron Johnson at Twitter, it just it was two pictures of Jamie Foxx. It was Jamie Foxx and Spider-Man as an electro, but it was before uh, he got electrocuted by the eel. So he was just the nerd with the wig and the glasses. And that was Kirk Cousins, or I'm sorry, that was uh, Kellen Mond under Mike Zimmer. And then the next picture, of course, was Jamie Foxx's Willie Beeman. And that was Jamie Foxx under Kevin O'Connell. Or sorry, um, uh, Kellen Mond under Kevin O'Connell. And, yeah, and I felt good. like he had a Willie Beeman moment. Like he was, he looked really nice. Like, and of course, it, you know, it blew up a little bit, not too much. I haven't looked at the numbers this morning. I went to sleep, turned my notifications off. But I know, you know, when it ends up in an article, it starts to get random clicks because people want to see what, what, why is the lettering red? Which means there's a link to this message and it went to my tweet. Um, again, Pro Football Network, feel free to reach out to me. Um, I'm fine with that. Um, you know, Tegna, hook it up, make this work. But when, when you think about, that and everything that comes along with the Willie Beeman uh, thing. He was a backup quarterback. And that, that's why so many levels to my joke. People, and that's why I said, if you know, you know. Because one, if you know the whole Jamie Foxx as the one guy and then him as in the Spider-Man movie, that was just him not reaching his full potential yet. And so that's why that first picture was there. And then the second picture, and so and then eventually he was, he was electrocuted and he became like one of the best, strongest, handsomest men uh, you know, to ever grace the screen and, you know, powerful. But of course, Spider-Man was the only one who could defeat him. There's no Spider-Man in the NFL. Uh, when you look at the second picture, Willie Beeman, he was the backup. So he had the talent, but, you know, there was all these things that was going on and Al Pacino finally gave him a chance and say, you know what? Cap got hurt. This guy got hurt. Willie Beeman, you're out there. Let's see what you can do. And of course, he's running around. He's doing stuff, but eventually he kind of hones in his skills and he gets good because the coach takes his time to grow him. And I think that's what Kellen Mond was missing. Like, he wasn't being cultivated. He wasn't being, like, that's like a plant and you don't water it. But you just expect it to be a beautiful plant when you need it to, when guests show up. No, it doesn't work that way. You got to give it sunlight. You got to water it. Kellen Mond was thirsty. He wasn't getting any water. He wasn't being, being cultivated and being taken care of and nurtured. Um, he looked really comfortable. He didn't, he didn't look like every time I make a mistake, I'm in trouble. He looked like, you know, I'm going to go out here and play football like I know I can. Uh, he made some high throws, made some good throws. Um, and, and that's going to come, again, with more reps. That's why I think this 49ers week is important for him. And so that's why I feel like I completely overreacted in saying QB2 is not on this roster. I think Kellen Mond, and maybe this is the overreaction, but who cares? Kellen Mond is QB2. Like, Kellen Mond, if you draft him to come in and be a starter, he's been a starter, did great at Texas A&M, he is QB2. Like, he's your guy, or Mississippi State, one or two. They're both maroon. Um, but he's QB2. Texas A&M, that's what I thought. He, yeah. He's the QB2. Like, I think right now he's shown he's better than, than, than Mannion. I, I think Mannion doesn't give you anything that can win a game. Mon gives you something different. Scramble ability, ability to keep plays alive. The things we talked about, that second level, that next play where teams – like the Raiders, even though that was a lot of backups in there and maybe some guys that aren't even going to make the roster, but those defense alignment could not keep up. They were exhausted after chasing them around for that, you know, for that long, gave receivers a chance to get open. He just didn't make the throw. But again, that's with more repetition. And that's my overreaction. I overreacted. I got another one, but I'll save that for later. Um, but that was my kind of overreaction for the week. And then after watching the game, 
Um, I, I thought he should be QB2. Maybe that's my overreaction, too. Maybe I'm overreacting that he should be QB2 after one game. Um, but I like it. That's why this week of practice is going to be key. What do you think, Sam? Yeah, so before I get to my overreaction, let me tell you about Kellen Mond's finish to that game. So he started two of seven. Mm-hmm. And amongst those seven, he had the miss in the back of the end zone. He had like a late thrown jump ball that could have been picked to Dan Chisena. I think the two completions were basically check downs at that point. So the start was brutal. First seven passes, two of seven. Last seven passes, seven of seven, 111 yards, two touchdowns. And those weren't just screen passes that went for a lot of yards after catch run. He had a great pass on fourth down to Dan Chisena for a first down to keep a drive alive. Uh, The touchdown to Albert Wilson, the first one, threaded the needle on a little slant pattern. Uh, The second touchdown pass to Albert Wilson, really nice lead throw back of the end zone. And then the diving catch by Myron Mitchell, he planted that thing where only Mitchell could catch it with the defender kind of between uh, Mond and the receiver. So four amazing throws in that stretch. Definitely the best stretch that I've seen Kellen Mond play, whether it's any, any of the games last year or any of the practices this year. Still concerned about the start. I mean, I'm, that, that still worries me, but to see that he has those throws in him is really encouraging. So I don't know if I'm ready to say that he's there, that he's going to make mm-hmm. it, but that's a great, 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 great sign. My overreaction is that same old defense. It's the same old mm-hmm. defense as last year. <laughs> Untimely penalties letting the Raiders escape on third down. Um, I think the first team defense gave up 10 points. um, And people were very concerned about the flags, the illegal contact calls, the face mask calls, and their inability to get off the field. Um, I get it. I get why people have a little deja vu to last year. But also, the NFL is going to call a million penalties in the preseason. They've got this new emphasis on the illegal contact and they are going to prove it to teams in the preseason to say, hey, this is the new deal. We're going to call all of these. Can't touch the receiver at all or we're going to flag you. And that's what happened to the Vikings. Andrew Booth got one. Nickerson got one. I think Troy Dye got one. Uh, I'm not too, I'm not overly concerned about it. I mean, I think a lot of Vikings fans were panicking after the first quarter. Let's pump the brakes. Let's calm down. Reel it in. It's going to be okay. Um, I liked what I saw actually in large measure from that, from that first team defense. I thought the run stopping was good. I thought they got some nice pressure on, on the quarterback. Couldn't get off the field because of penalties. That's not good, but I'm not, I'm not worried. I'm not worried about the start of the Raiders when the sec, a lot of backups are on the field. It's the preseason. You're not running all of your blitzes. I'm, I'm not going to overreact to the first quarter. And this is what I'll say to that. I got to play devil's advocate on that one for you. Uh, I, I do understand that because I, I thought, thought the same thing. Like there were some fourth downs they went for it and they couldn't stop them. Uh, there were some some gashing uh, runs here and there. You know, you looked at Stidham and you looked at uh, Mullins and you're like, oh man, there's, are these QB2 for us? I saw some people tweet that. Here's what I say. If you think about all the things we heard from Dale Reed, uh, you think about the 3-4, what it truly can be. You see flashes of greatness from Brian Asamoah. Like, man, that's a heck of a play. Man, that's a heck of a disguise when he takes the guy's helmet off because he made him think, I'm running out to cover the guy in the flat. Nope, I'm in zone. Um, uh, you know, the, the downhill, like, went through one guy, over one guy, under the next. 
and then made the tackle at grandma's house. Eric Kendricks, like, um, the fact that his speed, like we talked about Cato June talked about that, um, that it came through and it was shown clear as day on tape. Like, man, this guy can move well. Um, those are some, it's still weird to see him wearing 33 though. Like it, it still throws me off a little bit, but it was good to see that. Uh, the fact that at the end of the, the half and the end of the game, they didn't give up, you know, at the last two minutes of the game, they didn't give up any touchdowns or big plays like they have in the past. It was a bend but don't break situation. Um, I think those are the things like we're not going to see. There was like, I like the, 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 the differentiation uh, where safety's on different levels. You had two down linemen at one point. Um, all that stuff shows me that it is a little bit different. Like it's not just the four, three, we're going to line up and play. I mean, there was a lot of, a lot of movement still. There was a lot of, I mean, a Cesar Tamewu, I mean, getting after the quarterback, these guys were, I mean, him and Patrick Jones, like it was, it was a lot of, and then, you know, the T.Y., like he, I don't know if he created that or T.Y. Hilton created it first, but doing the same thing. I guess that's the T.Y. celebration, if that's your name, T.Y. McGill. Um, but, you know, it was, and, and now that's a question too. He's an eighth-year guy, been on eight teams in eight years, I think is what they said on the broadcast. So is he a veteran guy that you leave on this roster for that because he's going to give you explosion in a veteran voice um, that's been within this league? But I do understand the overreaction because that's that will be there. Um but coming up next, Sam and I are going to dive into the game a little bit more because there's there's another conversation that we need to have. So as we look at the rest of the game, Sam, this is, I mean, this is Monday overreaction. This is what happens. Everybody overreacts on Monday. Everybody overreacts on post-game shows, fan lines, whatever, Twitter. Uh, there's a ton of overreaction. <clears throat> I'm, I was captive again of the moment. I, I, I can admit, I overreacted, Sam. I did. And I, and I felt like Henry Lake, like, I know he wasn't talking to me, but I know I'm in this group. Uh, Henry Lake tweeted him and uh, Sam Kyer tweeting about, oh, man, if you guys think that this fifth round running back is going to be better than Alexander Madison, you guys are crazy. Might all react a little bit about Ty Chandler. Like Ty Chandler's speed, his size, uh, he gives you something that we haven't seen from Alexander, which is vision. But he's also doing it against guys that won't be on this roster on that roster for the Raiders. So I, I do understand that. Um, Alexander Madison does give you 100-yard games when you need it when Dalvin Cook is out. Uh, Alexander Madison does have a dynamic open field run ability. Um, I, I think my overreaction was more so if that running back room is so full, where does it leave C.J. Ham? But this is the problem. And now I'm starting to, like, I woke up and I'm like, you know what? I, I understand completely. There's no room for four running backs to even play anyway. There's not enough balls to go around. Now, the Rams kept three to four running backs on the roster because they just did not use a fullback. Um, and those guys were special teams guys. C.J. Ham is going to be your special teams guy. He can also play running back. He's an undersized fullback. He's not like use check. He's an undersized fullback, so he can give you a little bit of running back. Um, he's going to probably play a little one-by-one -one tight end. He didn't play much. He just dressed, but I think it was more for, like, emergency we need you out there on special teams to do something but he wasn't gonna play but i definitely overreacted i overreacted that ty chandler is gonna upseat alexander madison uh because kenny wang wu is gonna be two and then ty chandler's now running back three with cj ham four uh or fullback one uh definitely total overreaction like he he's a good running back he looks good he looks fast we know his speed is four three we know he has the size but it was an overreaction. I mean, the kid did have, was that, five for 50, a 14-long run. Like, when you see the stat, you know, in Madison, you know, 
you have to realize too, like people are like, oh, well, Madison didn't have a hole and you know, his couple runs weren't great. Yeah, like, yeah, I can see that. I do see that. Um, you know, he didn't get to get going. It was like, here's your three and then you're done. We know what you can do. We've seen you in film before. We know you're a gamer. Um, so it, it's, it is a little tough. I mean, when you know you play a guy three plays and you bring him out, he's probably on your roster. Like that's, that's, that's giving the nod to the vet. I think for the Ty Chandler, it's probably to say with his speed, is he actually better than Kinne? And I didn't see it. Kinne just has a different gear when he catches an open field. Ty Chandler did look nice. He's slippery. Uh, he hits the hole well. He has that cutback vision. But total overreaction on my part. Uh, I definitely am going to say that, that Alexander Madison is running back too. Like, there's no question about that because we talked about, like, at one point, cutting Dalvin Cook because of the, the contract or not resigning him and just letting Madison be your one or trading Cook off because of the injury possibility of his age and blah, blah. But Dalvin Cook's going to be fine because when he puts on number four, feels like Superman again. But, yeah, I, I completely overreacted about Ty Chandler. I, I don't know. What else did you get from the game, Sam? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think you appropriately reacted to Ty Chandler. I love Ty Chandler. I think I want I want Ty Chandler on this football team. Five carries, 50 yards. I'm not saying Alexander Madison's not on the roster, because he is. He's definitely on the roster. But if I were building the roster and I was told, all right, you have to cut one of these four guys, Cook, Madison, Wang Wu, Chandler, I think I'd cut Madison. Because oh. you've got... Okay. You've got Ty Chandler locked up through 2025. You've got Wong Wu locked up through 2024. Madison's a free agent. And Madison is not as fast or explosive to me as the other two guys. Madison is more of your bulldozer. He's going to power through. He's not a sprinter. He can hurdle. He's a hurdler, but he's not necessarily <laughs> a sprinter. Um, and I like Madison, too. But his game fell off a little bit last year, 3.7 yards per carry. And I just I want the guys that are going to be around here for the next three, four years. So I, I love the depth in that room. And I think they're all going to make the team. And I think all four of them plus him are going to make this team. And they're going to have to cut, you wow. know, keep two quarterbacks or keep three tight ends. They're going to have to find room to keep all those players because Madison's gone after this year. So you're going to need to backfill that spot with either Chandler or Wong Wu. Um, so I love I love Chandler, and I might still be overreacting to Ty Chandler. I'm also yeah. overreacting. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I was gonna say yeah. I I think the one key is you probably you can't put him on the practice squad because he's not gonna clear waivers to make it back, uh, or you just don't play him anymore, and then you tell him hey you're good. We just don't want you to be on film anymore for anybody else to want to pick you up, because uh, then you can sneak him back on your roster. But that's a dirty game. But no, what's your next one? Yeah. So I'm, I'm very much like a, uh, a game theory person, like coaching decisions and game management. Uh, I, look, I look at how coaches are performing through that lens. I don't love kicking 20-yard field goals. If you've got a fourth and goal at the one or two-yard line, I think you go for that. You go for that nine times out of ten. And I know it's the preseason. Nothing's at stake. But I want to see Kevin O'Connell be aggressive. I want to see him make the right decisions. And I think that okay. – all the numbers would indicate that you go for it when you got a fourth and goal at the one-yard line. They didn't do that in the first quarter. They kicked the field goal. And, you know, th this is Kevin O'Connell's first rodeo as a head coach. So I'd like to see him implement some of these strategies in the preseason just as practice, as kind of a look into how he's going to execute things in the regular season. 
And if he does that in the regular season, I'm going to be upset. I'm going to be upset if you don't try to punch it in from the one-yard line. Um, am I crazy here, Ron? So you want to see him do some of the fourth and ones now. Yeah. what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. So this is what I'll say to that. Yeah. If he is doing it, he's probably going to do it in practice. Like he's probably going to do it in situations this week on the goal line. Um, because again, if you are a guy that's 50-50 extra point versus, uh, which was like the Steelers, that was their Mike Tomlin's thing. He he goes for mm-hmm. it. Uh, two-point conversion versus field goal. He thinks 50-50. If I get 50% of my two-point conversions, I've just kicked five field goals instead of, you know, and then if I happen to get one, um, or two, I'm now, I'm up. And it's like betting we're playing with house money now because now we're up eight or we're up, you know, whatever, 16. And now I'm forcing the other yeah. team's hand and they have to do stuff they're not, they don't want to do. If that is his plan, I don't show it. I don't show it now because you're giving teams, you, you teams are going to prepare. Like for the Steelers, as a defensive coordinator, you prepare for going for two. Um, if you know you're playing a team and they've done it once, in you know whatever like i looked up the number of plays teams have run but you know like in the last two years i think some teams have run like the vikings defense have faced like 2777 plays uh in the last two years or like 2018-19 i was looking up some weird stats uh as the season goes because you know as, as as the fans as you ride with us you'll start to see that i love stats i love to bring up old stats versus new stats uh and how they correlate if they don't correlate then it's just the number and we need to stop worrying about it um I don't give them that. I don't give any defensive coordinator any inkling to what my game theory is going to be. Because my guess is he has game theory when you look at a coordinator who's an analytics – or, uh, sorry, GM who's an analytics guy. Like, you you have a – I'm pretty sure he has a head coach that likes the analytics. He's in that age group that's okay with the analytics and letting a game theory guy tell him, hey, this is the best-case scenario here. This is what you need to do because they have the whole little sheet. I, I would say if it's on his card, he's not going to show it now because you can work on that this week in practice nonstop with goal line, fourth and one. Because you don't say that. You just call it short yardage, but your team's working on your short yardage plays. And you just work them because they, they, there's literally going to be a whole period, if not one, but more than multiple days of short yardage. Everybody does it in the NFL. Um, and on short yardage, you're going to run your play action. You're going to run your 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 ISO. You're going to see CJ Ham get a ton of work in short yardage. Uh, you're going to run goal line because that's a part of it as well. So you're working that stuff without telling the team what you're actually working on the other team. You're letting your team know, hey, these are some of our two point plays because they work on it. They're going to work on it once you guys get kicked out of training camp. Like once the media can't stay for mm-hmm. practice. That's when they're going to dial it in even more because right now they're doing it during walkthrough if they're indoors or they know you guys can't film it. They're working on that stuff like. I, I agree with you. I think he should do some of that stuff because the theory's there and the numbers match. And, you know, so many people have said it, even though I'm a fan of just going, you know, kicking the field goal. And um, I'm a conservative guy sometimes, but I do know the theory's there. It works. The Steelers have done it for years. They've been super aggressive and it's worked for them. Um, so, so I can agree with you there. Uh, the other thing before we get on to the daily three, the number 22 is jumping out at me from this game as well on the Vikings side. Um, uh, um, Harrison Amir Smith. Smith no, well, Harrison Smith, but no, Amir Smith Marset, and and twenty two is like one of my daughter's favorite numbers because of one of her favorite softball players. But Amir Smith Marset, twenty two yard long play. Mm-hmm. Jalen Naylor, two catches, twenty two yards. Albert Wilson, mm-hmm. two catches, twenty two yards, two touchdowns. Dan Chisena, twenty two yards. His long was twenty two yards because that was the only play. So when I saw that, I'm like, man, that's a lot of 22. So for those out there, or two, because two touchdowns by Kellen Mond, 
go play it in the lotto. I'm just giving you an extra tip that has nothing to do with this show. 22 might hit in the lotto, whether it's 222 and whatever in the daily three uh, or the three pick or whatever. I don't know. That's we need to that needs to be our sponsor, the lotto for the daily three like that. that we give the numbers every week, but I think 22 something's going to come up with 22. I don't know. I'm going to play the Powerball and see if it hits because I, I see a lot of 22s in the stat sheet. <laughs> Uh, hey, I, I've seen weirder movies happen like that where somebody goes and plays their number and, they're, and, they, and all of a sudden they hit a million-dollar uh, scratch-off. So, but anyway, Sam, it's the time of the show that I love, you love, we all love. We get to go back and forth on the hot seat. It's the Daily Three. Take it away, Sam. All right, so we talked a little bit about the running back situation already, so I'm going to mix it up here for this first question because we were going to talk about Madison. We did that already. I want to hear from you, Ron, your take on some of those depth receivers. Amir Smith-Marset, B.C. Johnson, Myron Mitchell, uh, Tristan Jackson even. Your thoughts on how the depth played yesterday with Jefferson and Thielen not playing at all? Ooh, so for the receivers. Yeah. So the receiver depth. Yeah. So here's what I got from it, because I did talk about it a little bit on the post-game show. The numbers I got, and let me pull the best. I had the stats. So the guys that I liked and that I saw that jumped out on screen to me. So Albert Wilson, I think, became wide receiver five. I think he has to be in there somewhere, at least right now. Um, and again, could be an overreaction from the touchdowns, but if I'm a coach and I'm watching a guy, you know, and he's a vet, uh, run a nice slant route, use his body, shield off the DB on his back, touchdown. Uh, run a real patient wheel route. Probably could have sold it even more and made it an easier throw, but use his speed. Quarterback puts in the perfect plays, gives himself perfect amount of space uh, to do it. We know the Rams have a lot of that rub route stuff where it's a lot of crisscrossing and rubs. And, you know, there's another route to that where he runs that wheel and then he comes back because the DB is running full speed, trying to cut off the wheel. And you slow down a little bit, boom, and you run a comeback. So there's there's levels to that because I know it's coming. I've seen it uh, with it's a wheel and come. I mean, it's an awesome route and it's kind of like a, a sprint out. So a sprint out, right? He runs the wheel and then boom, come back, boom, hit him on the pylon. So, and that's why maybe the DB was slow playing a little bit because he thought that was the play. And that's why it's so cool to have that stuff. Um, they, I've seen, and I don't know if they're going to do it, but I've seen when both receivers run the over, you've taken all those guys away. When he runs his wheel, he actually wheel slows up and runs like a Texas route off of it, kind of like a post, because there's nobody in the deep middle, and it gives the quarterback even an easier angle to just throw the ball down the middle of the field. So there's a lot to that. So Albert Wilson jumped out to me. A Smith-Marset, um, he's got to calm down on some of the celebrations when it's not a great catch. Like, he bobbled one, caught it, and then got up and did a celebration. Like, dude, you got to catch it clean before you celebrate. Like, you don't celebrate everything. But that's, that's today's – receiver like an athlete every every catch is a point or something you know just get up you know it doesn't need to be something every time uh but smith marset and uh albert wilson jumped out to me i think dan jacinta just came in did okay uh myron mitchell okay tristan jackson looks slippery but okay albert wilson and smith marset uh i think became receivers four and five right now like those are the guys right now that look good look like they can give you production when you go five wides because we know this offense is going to have it uh four wides for sure smith marset in there with the speed being able to take the top off giving justin jefferson more room to work um i think that that's the receivers that jumped out for me yeah the player that i'm worried about not making this roster is bc because he's in the last year of his deal 
you got to take into account these contracts. Like if you can have a young yep. player who's equal, who's you got three or four years with, you're going to keep that player over BC. And I don't know if BC has been head and shoulders better than any of these guys. So I, I worry about right. his spot on this roster. Wilson hadn't shown a lot in training camp, so it was good to see him get the, the two scores. And obviously he's a veteran, so that's someone that you can maybe rely upon. Uh, continuing on with the roster conversation, Ron, bubble players, players that impressed you yesterday or players that disappointed you yesterday who maybe affected their standing on the depth chart. So players that uh, might have you know, slipped off that 53 or bumped themselves up into the 53. Your thoughts? Brought it up early, uh, T.Y. McGill. I think he's he's put people on notice. Like he had some good big plays. He's a big body, uh, high energy guy. You always need a high motor guy on that D-line as a guy that's not going to – I mean, he's going to maybe give you five, six, maybe ten snaps sometimes in a game out of 80. Um, but he's a high energy guy that when your main two guys, Harrison Phillips, Thompson, are tired, um, he can run in, give you some high energy for a couple plays, boom, back out. Um, you don't always need a rookie for that because that, I mean, you need a big, strong guy like that, that that's a vet that can be a body, that can be a true nose, maybe on some 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 pass plays when you want to get your guys a breather, when you know it's going to be a pass for sure. Just bring him in, let him run his motor and get try to get to the quarterback, create some disruption. Uh, I think he did. I think Chaz Surratt went opposite from the bubble. Like he looked lost. He didn't look as 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 like exciting. Like he's this back, you know, former quarterback turned linebacker athlete that you know we were all hoping would be a huge special teams guy, a huge piece. And the three four is not an easy defense, so maybe that's why he looked. A, but he just didn't look like he was moving at a fast pace. Um, so so that's one. And again, Albert Wilson. I think you know as a bubble guy, he's put himself back up into that fifty three man conversation because. You know, he made some plays. And so, you know, I, I, I think and, – and, again, if if we consider Kellen Mond a bubble guy, I think Kellen Mond put himself back up there. Like, he's 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 giving people like, wait a minute, QB2 might be on this roster. So those are one. But, yeah, Chaz Surratt for me, I was like, I thought he was going to do – you know, I thought he was going to be another speed, you know, linebacker possibly for special teams. But he looks he looked lost. And so when you have that many running backs, and that's maybe that's the key, you don't have as many linebackers because you have a Cam Bynum who can come into the box and a Lewisine who can be like a nickel linebacker uh, in certain situations when you want to go dime and and not have an inside linebacker in there. You have a, a big safety because uh, we know we talked about that with uh, Curse years ago, the big nickel. You have two, you know, two safeties that can cover. Cam Bynum for sure because he played cornerback. So, yeah, I, I think those are guys that, that show me they're on the bubble and then guys that put themselves off the bubble. So you're worried about Surratt. I'm worried about the other undersized linebacker, Troy Dye. He yeah, okay. has never been a good run stuffer, seemed a little bit slow in the pass game yesterday as well. And it's he's in his third year. I don't know if he's improved a lot in three years. And I feel like, you know, Spielman was going for those undersized, quick, you know, good at pass coverage linebackers. I don't know if they hit with Surratt or Die. And I think Asamoah is going to be really good. Like, I think Asamoah is probably above them already on the depth chart. And after that, I'd rather keep someone like Blake Lynch, um, who I thought played really well last year when he got a chance. So I think Die is in some trouble. And I thought Perry Nickerson who's going after that final cornerback spot. I thought he struggled as well. One more for you, Ron. Um, penalties. Penalties were prevalent early in that football game. How many times were the Vikings penalized? If I can just tap dance here for a moment. Uh, eight. Eight. Eight penalties on the Vikings. What is your concern level about that uh, in the preseason? 
None. Uh, it, it, this is these are reps. So they they've always done this where they start the season off. Like I think a couple years ago, I forgot what they had changed, and it was like, oh, it was the quarterback, uh, whatever. You can't touch the quarterback anywhere. And they were super hypersensitive during the preseason. Everybody was like pissed off, like this can't be football. You guys are gonna ruin the game. And then the season started. What happened? They didn't throw the flag as much, especially not on like borderline quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. Yeah, they got some key calls, but Kirk Cousins got punched in the face in the helmet and they didn't throw the flag. So early on, they're 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 basically saying, let me show the boss we are paying attention in these meetings. Uh, if I'm a ref and I'm trying to get like lifetime salary, I'm trying to get health care, I'm trying to get, you know, I want this to be a full-time job where I get 24, like some of these guys are lawyers, you know, they want to be a ref full-time and get big time money. So they don't have to have a second job. Um, so they're going to do exactly what they're asked by their boss. The corners are going to learn slowly, like what they can and get, can't get away with. They're going to talk to these refs like, hey, man, if I put my hand here, are you going to throw this flag? Hey, if I do this, are you going to throw this flag? Hey, watch the receiver. He's pushing me. So that's the only reason why I'm reacting that way. Um, that stuff's going to come up because these the film right now from this week is all getting watched. These plays, coaches, like they have a guy that watches film and sends plays into the league. Like, hey, look at this. Look at this. Would you come look at this? Look at this. You remember that movie from or the uh, Kevin Hart stand-up? Look at this. Would you look at this? Come look at this. Look at this. And that's all coaches doing. Their guy is cutting film, sending this into the league. Like, hey, you, your guys are screwing up the game. This is not a flag. This is just him being on his hip pocket. That's not illegal contact for what the rule says. So that's what they're going to learn. This week, again, 49ers week, they're going to have refs out there. So they're going to get a lot of live action and one-on-ones they're going to throw flags on them all that stuff so they're going to get a chance to really work it again no i'm not too concerned right now yeah i'm not concerned either for the most part there was one guy that i was watching andrew booth jr because he's been the yeah. handsy one in training camp he's gotten a lot of training camp flags and i said i just want to see him play a clean game and what do you know within what 10 minutes he gets a double penalty on the same play i think he got an illegal contact and a face mask on one play mm -hmm. Uh, so that was a little bit of a face palm moment. But otherwise, I, I'm not too worried. Again, like you said, it's an overcompensation by the officials. It will, like, die down a little bit. People will get upset. Coaches will get upset. And then they'll just stop calling them. That's always how this works. I don't know why the NFL insists on overdoing it early in seasons. But, hey, if they're trying to benefit the receivers, Ron, you would love to play in this climate. No one can touch you. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I like the contact, though. Like, I, I was a bigger guy, so I like pushing guys off of me when they're holding me. So, because it was even. Like, if they hold, I can push, and then the ref wasn't calling it because it's like, hey, you both are chicken fighting. Um, but the one thing I will say, too, if the refs do that during the season, it's going to make the game super long and super boring, and you're going to get all the groans, and people are going to be changing the state channel to another game that maybe is moving a little bit faster. Uh, so, that's the other part of the product. This is a product. The NFL is trying to put on TV and get this billion dollar, you know, these billion dollar TV contracts. When those numbers start dropping because the flags are dropping, they're going to pick them up because they want the fans to stick around. Well, that'll do it for the Ron Johnson Show today. Let us know your overreaction Monday thoughts in the comments on Instagram, or sorry, on Twitter and on YouTube. Comment. Let us know what do you think. Do we overreact? Are we spot on? What was your overreaction? Also, please continue to subscribe, download, and listen. This is Locked On Sports Minnesota. This is the Ron Johnson Show. That's Sam Ekstrom. Have a great day.
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.